0: And if you have your Bibles, please open them up. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2, starting from verse 8. Again, that's uh, the focus of this picture that we handed out. Hopefully you guys got one with you. If you have a couple, that's great. Something that we want you to see. We titled this Your Path. You saw on the sticker on the window coming in. Uh, You'll see on our website, throughout Facebook, Instagram. All kinds of stuff that we post, let me just say, uh, on our YouTube channel, uh, and especially here. So I'm going to show you a bunch of the stuff that we've been posting even this past year. Okay, So join with me and stand up if you can. Let's all stand. <clears throat> we're going to be starting to read from verse 8, Ephesians 2, starting from verse 8. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Verse 9, Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Verse 10 says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for the fact that you've got a call. You've got a plan for each and every one of us. And Lord, we ask that you would please speak to our hearts here. Reveal that to each and every one of us here. We've been going through this passage slowly that we might digest it fully. We want to hear from you. We want to know what your plan is for our lives. We're sick of our own decisions that we've made. I know for me it was decades that I've wasted in the world. So Lord, we ask that you would please reveal yourself. Speak to us. Help us, God. Give us faith and courage to step this out for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. All right. Thank you. You guys could have a seat if you would, please. And I do want to open up by saying there's nothing more exciting than walking in God's calling for your life nothing more exciting nor fulfilling hard to say it fulfilling than that I've been through a lot of things in life I'm sure all of you have as well but there is nothing that's more exciting or more fulfilling than actually walking in god's plan for your life the christian needs to actually walk in his or her calling from god and there is nothing that compares to that after all the one that created you before he created you even as you see in ephesians 2 verse 10 like on the handout we gave god prepared a calling for you that for the born-again christian You are created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. That's your calling. God has a calling for you. Would she prepare beforehand that we should walk in them? Nothing compares to walking in God's calling. So walking in God's calling is both the most rewarding thing anybody can experience, and at the same time, it's also, I believe, the most challenging thing. And the reason why I say it's challenging, I'm telling you also from my own personal experience and tapping into the testimonies of many others, it's challenging because in order for you to do what God has called you to do, you must use God's power, God's strength, God's wisdom. And everything about God is supernatural. So the things that you and I Live and know and do here in the natural. That's all we know. And then we get saved and we come to God and now we want Him to use our life, right? Who here wants God to use your life? You want Him to use your life. That's something that He births within you. A non Christian or even many, sometimes new Christians, they're not going to care for that. See, He births something within you. This thing to desire what he had already foreordained. In other words, before Genesis 1, verse 1, which is what? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Before God created planet earth, he already had a calling that only you can fulfill. Only you can step into those shoes. It's a calling that nobody else can take up. And until your mission on earth, so to speak, is done, He's not done with you yet. In fact, we are his workmanship is what we find, right? You're his work of art. You're his poem, right? That's that word, poema. You're his poem, his poetry. You're his work of art. You're his masterpiece. And the master is creating a masterpiece. You may not feel like a masterpiece. And if you feel opposite of a masterpiece, that's me too. Guess what? You qualify then. Because if you're like, yes, I'm everything. You need me in heaven, God. He's like, nope. He needs no one. What he wants is for you and I, again, Ephesians 2, verse 10, you see on the handout, he wants you to walk in your calling for good works. This is why you exist right now. We're going to go through this over and over, but at least for today. So it's rewarding, and at the same time it's challenging, because everything you knew, in your entire existence, prior to becoming a born again Christian, you cannot use in obeying the call of God. What do you mean? I gotta use my brain. That's not what I mean. What I mean is things you pick along pick up along the path. For some of us it might be like the education. Well, I'm really good. I got a doctorate in this and that. I got a master's in this and that. I all these things. Paul Counted all those things as what he says "skubalon" is the Greek word. What does that mean? Dog do. <laughs> animal excrement is one way to translate that. I consider these things "skubalon" or animal excrement. Next to what the knowledge of Christ. So his whole pedigree, who he was growing up, his education. Everything about him, it was all scuba on dog do, animal excrement, next to the knowledge of God and his calling that he walked in. So it's challenging because you must totally rely upon God's supernatural strength, and yet you still live in this natural world, in this natural body, but you need to tap into the supernatural. And right away you might be thinking like I do, that's impossible. Yes, it's a miraculous thing. It's a miraculous work of God done by the hand of God where he supernaturally fills you, empowers you, and wants you to walk in this calling. So God is the one that will pick you up and carry you through all the way through the finish line. But if you're like me, you get scared thinking about that right away. You're like, okay, I need everything in the supernatural to obey your calling, to still stay the course and fulfill this calling. It's your calling, (laughs) but I can't bring anything to this. The one thing that you bring to it is your submission to God. Like Isaiah, Isaiah 6, verse 8, Here am I, send me. The principle of availability. So you give God your availability, not your ability. He will make you able. He will empower you, equip you. Amen? He does that. I stand here before you as testimony to that. So, along the way, you and I must learn to do things like hearing from God, knowing how to determine and to discern His will, filtering it only with and through His Word. And that's a challenge. Amen? In my short time walking with Jesus and serving Him, following Him, I've discovered there's a lot of Christians that don't want to discover if I simply say to them, wondering, how can I hear from God? They may not want to hear, like go home and pray and fast or do what you need to in order to hear from God. And you'll find it in his word. This is what we need to do, though. So you need to learn how to hear from the Lord, and you need to obey him as your Lord. Make sense? It's not just lip service. We don't just want to sing about him being Lord. He's going to put you on that spot and say, okay, prove it, prove it. Now, I remember for myself, when I first started to walk in my calling, we're talking about walking in God's calling. We've discovered things as we want to take this one verse and break it down within the context. We look at walking in God's calling. and I, Previously, I didn't want to share this. So I'm like, okay, Lord, I think I need to share a little bit about My stumbling and bumbling along the way. So as you walk in God's calling, it's not going to be the picture of perfection. Again, my life is proof of that. You might know me who I am today, but you didn't see the messed up path, the messy path that I took. And so as I was answering God's calling for my own life, I was scared. He was trying to teach me to teach his word and to minister his word to other people. And that freaked me out. Does that freak anybody else out? Am I the only one? Okay. Some of you are called to that. <laughs> All of us in general are called to be ministers of his word. Some of you are called directly to use your gifting, you call these two lips and this little thing called a mouth <laughs> mouth and a voice. To share your heart through your mouth. And God was trying to teach me to do that. He wanted me to be involved in pastoral ministry. And I'm like, no way. So I was in a a city called Dana Point in California. It's Orange County, California. Beautiful place, right by the the ocean. I think I shared a picture last week of Dana Point Harbor. So I was in a friend's Bible study. My first time coming to this Bible study, home Bible study, I came in. There was, I don't know, 15 maybe or so people there, mostly kids like me at that time. This was, uh, I guess, in the 1990s, somewhere thereabout. I came in the Bible study. Uh, My friend was teaching. And at the end of the Bible study, they asked me to pray. I'm like, Okay, a little awkward. So I prayed. And then at the end, I was just like sitting down on the carpet. At the end this one sister, she, she looked at me and she's like as you we were like sitting really close, like she says, Write this down I'm like, Okay, whatever and she started to tell me I think it was like three scriptures that she believed that God was telling me was for me. Like about my calling. I'm like, okay, weird, awkward. You know, It was my first time in this Bible study. <laughs> like, whatever. And I didn't even know this gal. I didn't know most of the people there. So I got up. I went to the, the kitchen. Went to get more coffee. I'm not a coffee drinker now, but I used to be like rabid about it then. I went to get more coffee. Just kind of like, that was a little awkward. <laughs> went in the kitchen, got some more coffee, and she followed me in the kitchen. She looked at me, and she said something like this. He calls some to be priests. I'm like, Get away from me, you freak! <laughs> I didn't say that, but I'm just thinking, whoa! God was already trying to prepare me. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> she turned out to be a good friend later on. I didn't know who this was. I was like, I I just met her in that Bible study, and we never really spoke. And her some of her first words to me was, you know, write this down. God's got this word for you. And uh, so I I started attending this Bible study, and got to be friends with everybody there. We all attended the same church. It was Pastor Chuck Smith uh, Jr.'s church fellowship when he used to be with Calvary Chapel years and years, decades ago. Uh, But as I got to know these friends, this particular sister, her name was Lori, she kept on praying for me because she was wondering, she even told me about this. She says, I was wondering, Lord, are you calling Drew to pastoral ministry, to be a pastor? Because the way that, I guess, the Lord spoke to her. And uh, she kept praying for me. And I remember she told me this one time. She says, every time I pray for your calling, Drew, God shows me a room. I know it's a room because I can see four walls. And she says, you're sitting on a stool. And I sit on a stool typically like this, even as I was playing guitar. She didn't know anything about me. But she said, uh, you see, you're sitting on a stool, one foot on the stool, one foot on the ground. She didn't know I had kind of like a bum knee. And she didn't know any of that. And she says, I see tables, and there's people lined up at the tables. It's a vision that God, she said, God kept giving her. This wasn't me. This was someone telling me. And she says, you're teaching people. They're not children, so it's not like a children's ministry thing. And they're, uh, so they're, they're not young. And they're not new believers either. And I started like freaking out. She's just, like telling me this kind of stuff. She says, every time I pray for you and you're calling, God's showing me this. I'm like, whatever. I just I kind of wrote it down. I want to be like, Mary, <laughs> you know, hide these things away in my heart. I'm like, okay. But the Lord was already ministering to me directly. That was just kind of, sometimes he'll speak in stereo, especially if you got a strong calling or if you lack faith like I did. He's like, this idiot is not listening. Let me send someone else. And he would do that over and over with me. So this particular person would share that. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Some time went by, and I believe uh, the Lord was telling me this one time, I want you to go to Bible college. And now keep in mind, I didn't know what that really meant at that time. I didn't know. I want you to go to Bible college. Like, okay, whatever, what is that? And I was eating, I was in Dana Point Harbor, uh, or Dana Point area, I uh, was eating at this diner. It was called Harbor House. We just affectionately called it Garbage House. <laughs> That's all I remember. I was at the Garbage House <laughs> with my friend. Uh, and I had a friend that was a, a messianic believer. He sat across from the other table, like eating, I think, our soup. He was like, so what's you know what's new with you? What have you been doing lately? He's like, oh, I started going to this Baba college. You should go. And like, zing! Like, got my attention because the Lord was speaking to me about that. I'm like, what is that? And he's like, oh, you should go. It's great. Uh, You can meet the pastor. He's really friendly. And uh, we we take this evangelism class. So we learn a little, like, what the Bible says in the book. And then we actually go out and do evangelism. So it's not just, like, you're stuck in a room. I'm like, yeah, that's what I wanted. I'm like, yes. Uh, That was actually the only class I took twice, evangelism. Uh, So I went, and this one time I went, I went into the room, and... Uh, the Lord, as if he was like tapping on my heart, saying, "Remember your friend Lori and her vision." Like this is the room. I'm like, "No way! You gotta be kidding!" Freaking me out. And I, I kind of excused it because, uh, in that that type of uh, discussion for that class, the the teacher had put the tables together in just this big, this huge circle, so we're all sitting around looking at each other. And I'm like, I kind of excused it because I thought. Okay, well, my friend's vision was different. It was like a classroom setting, she was saying. So that's that's not the reality. Um, and the Lord was leading me, though, to join this Bible college. It turned out to be Calvary Chapel Bible College. And uh, at one of the locations. So I started going to this college. And as time went on, it was just a short while, then the pastor's like, I think we need to start setting up these tables in rows, like a classroom. <laughs> and I'm like, What's going on here? And the Lord, again, was speaking to me. Remember your friend Laurie's vision. Like, this is the room. And I wouldn't tell a single person. Definitely not the pastor of that Bible college. It just kind of freaked me out. Like, no way. I had a problem speaking to people. That's why I wanted to do evangelism. I thought one-on-one evangelism. or That might be fun. I could learn from friends. But I'm not going to be teaching the Bible. No way. That's what I thought. But as God was calling me, I just had to learn to listen, to obey. And sometimes when God is calling someone, he's needing them not just to hear, but to heed. Make sense? Like I'm I'm just trying to train you, like how I might train a dog. Just little things. (laughs) Here's a little treat. Okay. (laughs) Go about your way, and I'll call you when I need you again. And so he's training me little by little. And as the Lord was speaking to me about this Bible college, I just started kind of freaking out because it was, to me, it was just a little weird. Then shortly, uh, shortly after that time, the pastor of the Bible college, he came to me one time and he says, you know, I could see you up there teaching. And I'm like, no, you've got the wrong guy. And i kind of freaking me out. He's like, no, I, I could see it. Like the Lord was showing him something. Not who I was then, but I guess what I would amount to or what I would become. And so he's one of the main guys that helped mentor and disciple me. But I could see you up there. And he kept saying that because I kept wanting to get out of that conversation (laughs) and kind of run and hide. And he kept telling me, just try it out. Just try it out. So I eventually did. The rest is history. But I realized that along the path, as I was answering God's calling and trying to walk in his calling, that you might be like how it was for me, full of self-doubt. You know, I was very aware of my own failures, of my own inadequacies, my own insufficiencies. But I did not know at that time that the Lord will allow you to see those things because He wants you to see your weakness, but His strength. Make sense? So that as you do what He's asking you to do, you must accomplish His will through his grace, through his strength, through his power. You do it your way, well, you know the passage that Jesus says, Apart from me, you can do nothing. I know the nothing ministry. <laughs> now, I tried that. On my own, in my own strength. Amounts to nothing, and whatever happens is birth, you might say, in the flesh, you have to also maintain it in the flesh. But when he does something, oh, it's so glorious. But can he use someone that's just a failure in his or her own way? Yeah. That's what he did with me. So I stand here not as someone perfect. I stand here as someone that's a work in progress. Because we are his workmanship. Amen? We're his workmanship. So as this pastor was telling me these things, I could see you up there. And as I, I was still a student as he was telling me these things. And then he... He actually put me as student pastor. That was a little awkward. He's like, okay, what is that? like, oh, you're going to be your student, but you're going to be a pastor also amongst the students. I'm like, where is he getting this stuff from? <laughs> like, God, you've got to stop. This is not not fun. Uh, that was a little awkward because then my other friends that were also co-students started to kind of get a little antsy about that. And God was just testing my heart and showing me to be patient. And I And I was young, too. I'm 55 now. This is, you know, more than a couple decades ago. But as the Lord was doing this and nudging me out of the nest, I see that he was wanting me to see what he wanted, not what I wanted. Because if it was up to me, no way. I wouldn't even be here right now standing before you, speaking God's word, teaching his word. I'm like, I'm not qualified. So I don't think you got to have, like, some qualification. Oh, he went to Bible college. Yeah, but you don't know how much I stumbled and my idiocy. And yet the grace of God through the Spirit of God just covers over that. Love can cover a multitude of sins too. So God could do these things. And I just want you to know that whatever God's calling is for your life, it's going to be exciting, but again, it, it might also be challenging like it was for me. For me, and especially if God is trying to quicken you, he did a quickening with me. So by the time I finally said yes, I graduated through that college, uh, that was fun. That was that was awesome. Did a lot of ministry. He taught me a lot. And I did not know that he was preparing me to come out here to be with you guys. I didn't know that. I taught on staff. They hired me there by the grace of God. They wanted me to, to be there. I was there for five semesters and then 9-11 hit. I didn't know that. I didn't know that 9-11 was going to happen. I didn't know that God was preparing me. So don't despise those days of small beginnings. Small things, little things, so to speak. God is preparing your path. Whatever he's done in your life, Christian, to bring you even here today, you might equate it to somewhere here on this Your Path graphic. Again, this is the handout that we gave you. Each of you should have one of those. It's for you to take home or keep in your Bible and pray. It's your path that I believe your life is going to take. If you commit to being a follower of Jesus, this is what you're going to go through. It might look a little different, but in general, these are huge principles that are totally backed by the Bible. And it's typically left to right within this fashion. So today we're going to teach a little more on God's vision for your life. This is our church's vision for you as you journey down the path with Jesus. And we want to obey Christ's command to make disciples. But I've got to realize, as I want to exhort you and lovingly nudge you out of the nest, to be that friend for you that I did not ever have and still don't in some ways. But the church is called, this is the Great Commission, called to make disciples. Ultimately, that you would learn how to hear from God and that you would answer God's calling for your life. Why? He prepared these good works for you that you should do what? You should walk in them. So you need to walk in them. This is something that you might sit there and go, didn't we see this somewhere? Yes. <laughs> I'm showing you a slide of just 2023 alone. The year 2023, where's Andrea? She's here, so maybe she's with the kids. So these are some of the graphics that you've seen Andrea post up on our Facebook page. These are graphics of Ephesians 2, verse 10. Just 2023 alone. This is not all of them. This is mostly them. Just this past year on our Facebook page, there's, I don't know how many, there's like 36 of them, I think, there So why would we want to keep sharing about this one verse for you? Because just like how God is relentlessly, constantly, and continually calling the Christian to walk in God's calling, hey, you also have the world with its millions, if not billions of messages, trying to distract you away from this calling that only one person can fulfill. And who here knows that? (laughs) That happens, right? So you need to see this vision constantly. The world is marketing its millions of visions of who they want you to identify as. Yet God has his ultimate calling upon your life. He wants you to fulfill your purpose for your life. And you need to hear this message continually, I believe. Why? Because the world is shouting its millions of messages telling you what they want you to do. They want to tell you who they want you to be and what they want you to think and do. And yet God has this clarion call. You are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. That's your calling, Christian, which God prepared beforehand. And what's he waiting for? For you to walk in them. And the devil will try to distract you. So God does this. God is constantly trying to tell you this. Christian, even if I don't mention it to you, the Holy Ghost that lives within the born-again spiritual Christian has already been preaching that to you, hasn't he? Look how ubiquitous this is. Who here as a Christian, you know God's been speaking to you about your calling, that you've got some kind of purpose. Lift up your hand, if you would. Look around the room. Because in the privacy of your heart where you feel like He's he's speaking to you, you might think you're weird, but you're not. You might be weird, but but that part of you is not weird. Okay, understand what I'm saying. (laughs) We're all a little weird if you want to think about that. So God has already been preaching this to you. I'm just a physical, audible voice to the inaudible voice of the Holy Spirit that lives within you. He lives within every Christian. and He's trying to get every Christian to walk in his or her calling. And he's relentless at that. So God does this, and we want to too. We want to so that one day you're going to walk in God's calling, and then your life will finally be fulfilled. I'm telling you, drugs won't do it. Alcohol won't do it. Relationships won't do it. Good Lord, I have really bad relationships. You guys know, some of you guys know my testimony. I've been through things like abortion and all. God could use someone like that? Yeah. He only uses weak, feeble, broken people. Why? Because that's all there is. (laughs) They're just God and us, sinners, saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus. And now he makes you a saint. You're holy because of him. Justified? Justified, never sinned. You're righteous? Doesn't make sense. It's all the grace of God. It's all the work of God. So these are things you've probably been seeing even on our Facebook page. Now going back to this verse here you also have on again your handouts here? Look at this again, Ephesians two, verse ten. I want to talk to you about the third part. We oh got part three and part three of three uh, before we do a kickoff into the book of First Corinthians next week. Look at this again, verse ten. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. For oh, come on, as we you're creating Christ Jesus for? Good, work. good works. That's better. I'm so excited about this. Good work. No! He's giving you his power to do good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So I have here displayed on the display. This is just my Bible study software. I took a snapshot of one portion of it. Zen Thayer's, it's a dictionary. That's shown there. This word for prepare beforehand. So this refers to the good works that you are created in Christ Jesus for. Those good works that he's wanting, that he desires. The will of God. You want to know the will of God. He's created your calling. He prepared it beforehand. And look at this in Thayer's. I circled it in the red. To prepare before. To make ready beforehand. He's already made it. You've already got a calling. Prepare beforehand refers to these good works that you were saved to do. You didn't get saved just so like, oh, he needs another addition to heaven. He must really want me and need me. He wants you, he doesn't need you. And we're going to look at what the actual Greek language says. not going to be a Greek class, but this is very eye-opening when you see what this last phrase actually says. This shows that he created a calling for you way before any planet Anything was created. And it has the possibility and potentiality that you may or may not answer that calling. In other words, he gives it to you. You're accountable for that which you know. And as of today, that's it. (laughs) Bam! (laughs) The Holy Spirit hits the heart. You're accountable. If God had me answer this, even not knowing any, I didn't know any of this. If he had me do it, stumbling through it, picking me up because I was falling, messing myself up all the time. He would have me speak and then I kept on like, oh, I did that wrong. Oh, okay, now you're never going to use me as a teacher. I, what I do? Oh. In the Bible college, they would record on cassette tape too. I'm like, is there any way we can just delete that? <laughs> so they had to record it for accountability. I'm like, oh, man, I just can't believe some of the stupid things I would say. So prepare beforehand what God did is that he designed a calling for your life. A calling for your life. He designed it beforehand. He prepared it beforehand, meaning your life's calling was crafted by God before time began. you see seen me share this before. Here's what he says to Jeremiah. <clears throat> if Jeremiah couldn't escape, if I couldn't escape, neither can you. <laughs> Jeremiah 1, verse 5. You could read the whole chapter in Jeremiah chapter 1 and learn and study about the call of God upon Jeremiah's life. He says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. That means set you apart. Before he was born, I ordained you a prophet to the nations. To ordain is to set over. I'm going to make you a prophet, one that would hear from me and speak on my behalf to the nations, to the Gentiles too. To For the Jews, this was like really scary to hear. Like what? And praise God that Jeremiah answered that call. You know why? For many multiple facet reasons. One is that he wrote the book of Jeremiah and what other book? Also Lamentations. Also a contemporary of his time, Daniel, you read in Daniel's book, Daniel was reading the scroll of Jeremiah and was encouraged to seek God's face and to pray. And he got that remarkable prophecy in Daniel chapter 9 that goes all the way, the, the biggest, the most intricate timeline in the entire Old Testament that points out the exact day that Messiah Jesus would be coming in riding on a donkey, the day of the triumphal entry, Palm Sunday, as we call it. That was revealed to Daniel, but Daniel sought God's face and he wanted to be a doer of the word as he read about in Jeremiah's book. So Jeremiah answered his call. So before Jeremiah was born, God put a calling on Jeremiah's life. There was a purpose for Jeremiah's existence. And you might ponder that, especially as a Christian. You're like, is there any purpose to this? I'm saved. Why don't you just kill me and take me home? I'd rather be in heaven. <laughs> that, that would have been my prayer. Sorry, Susan might be listening later <laughs> on. Honey, before we got married. Okay. <laughs> And before my kids were born. But the reality is, you might ponder that. like, this world really stinks. And once you're born again, your eyes are totally open to the world. The more you read and know of God's word, the more you could, it's it's as if you could sniff out sin out there in the world, right? You go to work and you could totally see who's a Christian and who's not. Not by what they say, like, oh, I'm a Christian. Because I got people even at my workplace, the place I work. Oh, I'm a Christian. And I hear them later on, potty mouth, blah, blah, blah i got to walk away. You ain't following Christ. Christ ain't getting you to say those things. Christ don't say those things. So in the world, it becomes easy to see these kind of things. And after a while, the Christian might get frustrated like Jeremiah. Like, okay, aren't you seeing them? Aren't you hearing what they're doing? They're blaspheming you. They don't care about your word. And yet God had a call upon Jeremiah's life. He had a call upon my life. He's got a call upon your life too. Just answer it. So before Jeremiah was born, God had a calling on Jeremiah's life. I said this before. Do you know that God has your life all mapped out? He has your life all mapped out. He had my life all mapped out too. You have the privilege of knowing today as well as the blessing of history. I can look at my own timeline and I go, what's wrong with my faith? (laughs) But when he had me after 9-11, come out here, and this would be the Calvary Chapel 9-11 church. This would be the, the 9-11 church plant as fruit from 9-11. Would, would I ever thought this would happen? No. I couldn't plan that. I wouldn't do that. But I now see that, and I can look into your eyes and go, what's wrong with my faith? If I would have known that this fellowship, this new family that I'd be a part of here would be this good, I would have, said okay i'll go do this but during the first years out here in february 2002 when he had me moved to middle village out here in queens it was excruciatingly painful again that's the challenging part because to do any work of god requires god you just have to be present make sense he doesn't need your ability in fact many times you disqualify yourself (laughs) If it's through your power, your strength, your ability. I'm I'm so smart. I could do this and that. He might say, nope. It requires his supernatural ability. He will enable you. You just give him what? Your availability. So before God formed Jeremiah in his mother's womb, God already knew all about Jeremiah. He knew he would write these two books. Jeremiah and Lamentations. He knew what Jeremiah would need to do and therefore he had his life mapped out. I encourage you to go read the first couple chapters of Jeremiah's book. What does he do right away? He starts discipling Jeremiah. Jeremiah would need to hear from God. So he starts discipling him. Teaching him, training Jeremiah how to hear from God. Why? Because Jeremiah is going to have to hear from him to then speak on God's behalf. Jeremiah, what do you see? he says a couple times. He's training Jeremiah how to see from God's perspective. And oh, that's what I need. You guys need that? Amen? He might say that to me. Drew, what do you see? Oh, okay. I see people that are hurt, that are broken, that, that need you just like how I do. Not just numbers. These are people. These are hearts. Jeremiah, what do you see? So he knew Jeremiah would be shy. That Jeremiah would be scared to speak. I'm only a youth. So, what did he preemptively tell them? Look, before I formed you in the womb, I already knew you. I knew everything about him. Before you were even born, I sanctified. Sanctify. Set you apart. What are you set apart to do or to be? I ordained you a prophet to the nations. So, that's the one that would have to speak on God's behalf. And then, what did Jeremiah say? Well, I'm only a youth. <laughs> God, you're wrong. You can create everything. but you're wrong. You made a bad choice. of you feel like that sometimes when God tells you to do something that sounds miraculous? That's because he's going to have you do it through his supernatural strength. That was me too. But God already knew all about Jeremiah. He knew about me, and he knows about you. He knows all the things that you call are failures, and he'll let you see them because he wants you to see his strength. In fact, what might help you to qualify (laughs) is the fact that you're aware of your failure. Does that make sense? If not, that's called the sin of pride. Oh, I could do this. Yes, I'm a good brother. When I was on staff at the Bible College, uh, my job was discipleship. God was discipling me into you know, discipling others. And I would meet with the men. I appointed a a gal uh, to disciple the women. I could be with them, but not one-on-one, alone with the women. And statistically, about half of the men that came to the Baba college, I would sit with them one-on-one, talk to them about, oh, what do you feel God's calling is for you? Do you know your spiritual gifts? Do you know how to hear from God? I had to assess where they were to see what is it that you need. And we would tell them things like, you don't need to learn the Bible. they would be like, what? This is why I'm here. Like, no, you need to be discipled. Half the people that came to that Baba college were not from Calvary Chapel, but from other fellowships. So we just take it right away. They probably didn't know the Bible. And the other half that came from these large mega church type of Calvary chapels, guess what? They didn't have discipleship. And so we were the discipleship arm, at least in that fellowship. And so when I would talk with them, about half of the men that were there, told me they believed, they were fully convinced that God was calling them to pastoral ministry. And I, I started to learn that uh, some of the gifting that God had given me, like gifts of discerning of spirits, like mm, I think they, you know, I would sit there and ask them, oh, why do you feel like you know, guys calling you to pastoral ministry. Uh, I remember one guy very proud, was like, "I'm a good speaker." <laughs> like, you know, I, like the wrong reason why, right? Like, uh, I'm not shy about it. I'm like, Ooh, I didn't have the heart to tell him. <laughs> like, like, that doesn't mean you're called to it. But about half of the men, I remember reporting that to the pastor of the college uh, friend Brett. And he's like, "Oh, what do you what do you think?" I'm like, I really don't sense that any of these men are called to pastoral ministry because usually it was a selfish kind of reason. Like, what's your rationale? What's your motive? What's your reason behind it? Like, Usually about self. It's not God doing it. And I told him there was one guy though. I think maybe it was my friend Sam. It was funny as, he would come to me and he would actually tell me this. He said, oh, I'm glad I'm not called to be a pastor. He, in the Bible college we were discipling him. He, he came plop down one. I think it was a Saturday that I was there He's like, so what is ministry? What is serving? God God has saved him out of a cult. He came out of this, this cult. Uh, just pure in his heart. Really brilliant man. He was able to um, to memorize scripture really well. And he came in and he was like, what what's ministry? What does that mean to serve God? And he started chuckling. He was like, oh, Dad, what you guys do? Oh, I'm glad I'm not called to be a pastor. i just, I remember just telling him, uh Just be open and flexible to whatever God wants. God's got a plan for you. And as time went on, I remember sharing with uh, Pastor Brett, who's the main pastor of the Bible culture. There's one guy that I think he might be called to pastoral ministry. And all the while he's like, I'm glad I'm not going to be pastor. (laughs) And later on, uh, he he became the pastor of the Filipino Fellowship at Cavachapa Costa Mesa. I'm like, I chuckle. It's like, remember when you used to say that? like, yeah. (laughs) But he was just so humble about that. And I just saw God's hand in his life. We taught him how to hear from the Lord, how to authenticate things through Scripture, and it was just God leading him. It's a beautiful thing. But in knowing you, and just like Jeremiah, God knows you, he knows me, he knows the fact that maybe you're scared to speak to people. I was I was scared to do what he has me do even today a couple times a week with you guys here. I would tell him all the reasons why you know i I stutter uh, I would hold back to that time the four computers and all I'd like hold my papers and be like uh. <laughs> nervous. God wouldn't take any of those excuses though by the way, when you have those excuses, guess who they're focused on self. It's a ploy of the flesh to get you to focus not on God's spirit, but to get you to focus on who. To get you to focus on self. So you got to realize that it's your flesh trying to say yes, that's right. Don't let the spirit of God take over. The spirit of God's in control. The flesh would be like, I gotta die. <laughs> I hear nails because I'm about to be crucified. No, let me live. The spirit of God's like, there's a crucifixion going on right now, buddy. <laughs> got to crucify the things of the flesh. So God already knows about you. He knows that you're scared to speak. He knows that you're aware of your weaknesses. You're aware of your failures. You have to embrace these things that you might tap into his strength. Not just with Jeremiah in the Old Testament. Here's what Paul the Apostle writes about himself in the New Testament. Galatians 1, 15 and 16, he says, But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb, And called me, notice he says, through his grace, to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. So before Paul was born, God put a calling on Paul's life. There was a purpose for Paul's existence. Where would we be if Paul didn't say yes to the call of God? He wrote half of the New Testament books, 13. Some people say, the book of Hebrews. We don't know. But he wrote half of the New Testament letters. He's, besides Jesus, he's the main teacher to the church in the New Testament. We learn quite a bit about the grace of God and a great deal of doctrine, accurate doctrine, through what God had him go through. And that's the Apostle Paul. So he writes about this. He knew that God laid a calling on his life from even before Paul was born. And this is what he's trying to share with you, not just in the book of Galatians, but also as we're jumping off here from the book of Ephesians. God has a calling on your life. Paul knew his ministry was God's calling. It wasn't a matter of Paul's public speaking or his teaching skills. It was simply a matter of God's grace, of God's calling. And this is something that the Apostle Paul is trying to pass down to you and I. And I am as well. Now, I I shared earlier on, I promised that you would go through this. In the original language where it says we should walk in them, from Ephesians 2 verse 10, when you look at the original language, there's tools that you can look this up, you can blither Bible it. This is given in the mood of possibility and potentiality. The action described, this is pulled right out of the dictionary, the action described may or may not occur depending upon circumstances. In other words, in God's calling for your life, there's a possibility that you will or won't answer the calling. Oh, but if God does this with my life, then I'll do it. Oh, so you mean you don't need faith? Or God, if you answer this, I'm going to put out my fleece like Gideon. Don't do that. That was a showing, like putting out a fleece. Anybody hear that term? That that's a showing that Gideon did in the Book of Judges that he lacked what faith. In the New Testament, the Book of Acts and on, there's no putting out a fleece. That's unbiblical. It's almost heretical. And so, for you and I to simply hear from this God who lives within born again Christians, once He comes to live within after Acts chapter two the indwelling of the Spirit, once people were born again, Spirit-filled like you and I, there was no more external ways of determining the will of God. So some would say, like Gideon, putting out a fleece in the book of Judges. Old Testament, buddy. Okay, or the high priest, the umim and the thurman. So they would determine God's will, kind of like throwing dice. Old Testament. After, that's casting lots. Remember Acts chapter 1, the cast lots. To see who is going to be the twelfth and last apostle. Acts chapter 2. God comes and powers and boom. Falls upon them the day of Pentecost. God now through the indwelling of the spirit comes and live. Abide, reside, dwell within the Christian. Acts chapter 2 and on. No more would people determine the will of God externally. All will know me, God says. How? He's going kind to of come live within the born again Christian. So he speaks to you. From within. You just need to confirm it within his word. So we should walk. God prepared your calling for these good works. And what is he waiting for? If you want to put it on our timeline. Centuries. <laughs> what is he waiting for? Not just a matter of minutes. He's very patient, isn't he? Centuries he's been waiting. Since before planet earth was created. Since he thought of creating planet earth. In creating Adam and Eve. He had a call upon your life. So either you will or you won't. So in summing this up, I want to say to you, here's your choice. 40 minutes or 40 years? 40 minutes or 40 years? You get to choose how long you're going to take to start to answer God's calling. You're all accountable for that which you know. You've, you've heard this over the past 40 minutes. You could either choose 40 minutes. Okay, Lord, this is it. Okay, The church is designed to make disciples. That's what we want to. That's why God moved me out here. Not to try to have a lot of people fitting in chairs and so forth. To make disciples, followers of Jesus. And if you're following Jesus, there ain't no other path he's going to lead you then towards his calling. Make sense? That you'd hear from him and obey what he's calling you to do. Don't take 40 years. Uh, Don't be like how I was. I remember when I started to answer God's calling, I'm like, man, you've been telling me, speaking for years. And I didn't have anybody to talk with about that. I didn't have a group like we have in this fellowship where we can have service meetings, discipleship times, where we can ask and answer questions. I learned that what we do here. Calvary chapels typically don't do this. They don't. I learned that from the Bible college where I was at, where it became, from the pastor, a school of discipleship. I'm like, this is exactly what we should do that because of the large fellowships out there, it was really tough and challenging to get in discussion with individuals or groups that wanted to talk about things like, how do you hear from God? What's my calling and purpose in life? How do you know your spiritual gifts? So I was the one that was like a clearinghouse. I talked to the men and women that come in, and I realized that some of them, I remember some were like, ah, I've been in Calvary Chapel from the tent days. they am like, wow, that's way before my time. They're like, who are you? You know, they'd be teaching me. to kind of have that attitude. I'm like, I, I'm just doing what God's telling me to do. And I would sit down with them though one on one. It's like, do you know how to hear from God? What's that? Like, oh. so tragic. Some people that have been Christian for fifty years, Christian for fifty years, never learn how to get off the baby bottle. And that's sad. That's tragic. Why? Because we're not making disciples like we need to. That's the calling. God upon the church that's the great commission amen they would make disciples not just make converts make disciples and not just you know make money (laughs) or members make disciples so that's your choice today I'm going to close with a word of prayer in a moment then I'm going to ask if any of you want prayer for that whether you're serving already or if that's something that you want to answer God's call with I want to encourage you to humble yourself. Let us help you. Make it 40 minutes. Don't make it be 40 years. Humble yourself. Allow God to help you. Uh, If you're not already serving, I'm going to close in prayer and I'll ask if anybody wants prayer for that, for your calling. I want to pray for you. Again, whether you're serving or not. But if you're not already serving, then that will open up the door then we'll we'll start talking about uh, how you can serve so on and so forth, okay? But God wants to disciple you so that you could be walking in His calling. We've already shared this before. God created a calling for your life. It's a calling for good works. Let's all stand, please. I'm going to close this with a word of prayer. You know you had a birthday. We celebrate that every year, right? And then you had a salvation day. That's when you came to Christ. Second Corinthians 5.17 Like the caterpillar turned to the butterfly. And now you're here. You're either going to walk in God's calling of good works or you're rejecting. That's it. Again, please don't take 40 years for this. Let us help you. This is why God brought you here today, I believe. What God has in store for this church fellowship and for you. So Father, we thank you for this time. Lord, we ask you to please help us, God. Help us to surrender to the move, the work of your spirit. Oh, Lord. Lord, my brothers and sisters here, they're just like me. They need your help, Lord. Lord, and I want to be a friend to them. to someone that that I didn't have and I still don't have, Lord. It's people that we can talk about in close fellowship. That we can discuss how to hear your voice. We can discuss your calling for our lives. We can discuss the supernatural spiritual gifting that you've given to each of us. You've given your children here gifts of grace. We prayed for that. We prayed for them so many times before, Lord. And we ask, Father, that you please would help them. Father, I pray for the heart that's here that you're speaking to, that they wouldn't take 40 years to say yes to start on the path for your calling. Lord, But that they would simply ask for your help, and that we would lovingly help them and encourage them Lord, they're they're just like us, broken, hurt, feeble people, or aware of our failures, aware of our mistakes. But Lord, that's because you want us to tap into your supernatural strength. So protect us for this time. Encourage each of us, Lord. Help us, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.